Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hey friends, welcome back to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Winderl. And this week, I'm speaking with two very inspiring friends of mine, uh, all about bhakti yoga, all about these practices of connection to self and to others around us. Uh, before we get to that episode, I just want to share news from the Atman Yoga School. Um, of course, this year, all the lockdowns are continuing to extend throughout various areas of the country and in Oslo. So a lot of our programs have been shifting and are being rescheduled for the fall. Um, so stay tuned. We're coming out with a pretty loaded schedule for the fall, which I'm really excited about. Um, Our first 200-hour teacher training in Norwegian starts in August in Oslo. And we're going to have a lot of smaller uh, weekend-style trainings, both in our Restore and Yoga Nidra, which um, I'm going to offer in Hemsedal if you want to come see me up here, and hopefully in Trondheim, and I'm looking at a few other places right now, as well as launching, finally in Norway, our weekend uh, Ayurveda immersion. It was unfortunately supposed to be this spring in Oslo, and we are pushing it to the fall. So if you want to get on pre-registration lists for any of these, send us an email at hello at atmanyogaschool.com. Otherwise, registration will be open shortly anyways. And then we have coming up our next round of our 340-hour advanced vinyasa yoga teacher training. So this is a very rigorous training, I would say. Uh, A lot of information, a lot of learning, studying, practicing. And this is a year-long program that is broken into three modules. Each module is 10 days apiece. And we move from the outermost areas of ourself into the more subtle and refined areas of our being. So module one is all about practical teaching skills. Uh, It's all about sequencing the art of the language of yoga. So how do we use our language and our our words to really create an experience that is powerful for our students? And uh, module two is all about yoga philosophy and Ayurveda, and it is so much fun. We do a lot of really cool exercises to help us make sense of some of this somewhat difficult information to digest. And then module three is meditation practices. So that's all the chanting, all the meditation, uh, really an amazing way to connect with that practice. So here's the really cool thing too. Um, you can take each of these modules individually. So if you don't want to do a full 340 certification, uh, you just want to get a little bit more of a deeper knowledge in one of these areas, then you're welcome to join us just for that single module. So you can find the schedule on our website, www.atmanyogaschool.com. Module one starts in May of this year in Oslo. Module two is in November and module three will be next May, 2022. So please join us for any of our trainings if it calls to you. We would love to have you be part of our community. Okay, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Winderl, and today I have some beautiful yogis, uh, some friends of mine, and we are going to chat all about sacred relationship. We're going to talk about Ayurveda. We're going to talk about ancient wisdom for the modern yogi. So I am so happy to welcome Damodar and Radha. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I was telling you guys, I just, we met several years ago or a few years ago, I guess, in India. And, um, you know, I've, I follow you guys on Instagram and that's mostly how we kind of have stayed connected. And I just have been so inspired by what you guys are doing and kind of the trajectory that your spiritual life has taken. And, and you guys are entrepreneurs. You have several businesses, different yoga studios, different shops. And I think that's really interesting. You know, I have a business as well. And, and considering like the intersection of, of living our spiritual life with where it, it connects with 
commerce is also a really interesting conversation that I'd love for us to hopefully hit on. But um, yeah, would you guys maybe just introduce yourselves to everybody listening? Um, well, we can introduce each other separately and as a whole because we, we run the <laughs> business together as a couple. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, married and we're also in the same spiritual path together. Um, and, uh, and we run a business together and do a lot of service together. But specifically, my name is Damodar, uh, and specifically, I, I teach yoga. I've teach, taught yoga for many years, um, run trainings and do retreats and workshops. And in the last few years, I've been spending a lot more time doing coaching work, specifically relationship coaching, and then also individual life coaching. Um, and, and as you'll come to see, we do a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> I also am a massage therapist. I've been doing massage for actually longer than teaching yoga. And I also teach uh, spiritual wisdom from the bhakti tradition as well. So, and that kind of moves into some of my coaching, but sometimes doesn't. So there's sort of, but it's sort of one of the main aspects of uh, that kind of overarches our business, you know, that, that sp our spiritual life, our spiritual uh, belief systems and practices. Um, yeah. So that's what I do. And I also run a yoga studio as well and run, a, run the business, the brick and mortar, the background stuff, the, the boring accounting stuff. I know. And, and it's so funny because a lot of people listening, like we know how hard it is. You know, I've managed yoga studios, how hard it is to just like have that be your main business. <laughs> and you're like, oh, and I also just happen to manage and own a studio. <laughs> I know when I say it, I'm like, it's too much. Uh, and we've been blessed actually to be able to to do so much but right now we're actually in the phase of sort of trying to be a little bit more focused because we do do a lot and we love it but we notice that and for the listeners out there you know in terms of business you know if you're if you have a lot of interest in your your dynamic it's exciting but usually something will be sacrificed you can only do so much with so much time so figuring out what that is or how you create leverage or how you employ other people to help you and you know, that's something we've been talking a lot about recently because we have that, we love to do that. We love it. We're like, let's We're do yes more. People. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do this workshop. Let's go here. Like, oh, this is so interesting. But, you know, especially when we get a little older and we're trying, it's like, oh, like, how can we go? Maybe not as wide, but continue to go deep in a few areas. Um, yeah. Yes, we definitely wear uh, more hats than the two that you yeah. see here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my name is Rata Priti, and I um, am an Ayurvedic practitioner. I'm also a Reiki master, um, and I do uh, specialized intuitive energy medicine practices. It's kind of um, my own combination of herbalism. Um, I went to school for Western herbalism first, and uh, it's a you know passion and love of mine. Um, I'm a gardener. I love to be out in nature. Um, yeah, so I kind of incorporate these three practices um, together for the, for the most of my clients. And then I um, have a full product line, and it's called Baba Wellness. And your packaging is gorgeous. I love it. <laughs> it's all her. She's a mastermind. Oh, creatively. thank you so much. We have great teachers. Um, yeah, so... Uh, that's been a big focus of ours um, is, you know, creating and um, growing this product line. And it's um, being, uh, it's available in multiple stores around the country and now even around the world, which is really cool. We've got some of our first international um, businesses carrying our product line. Oh, congratulations. That's amazing. And then we have a brick and mortar um, mm -hmm. yeah. here in Tucson, Arizona. And yeah, it's a shop that we love to support other local makers, other medicine makers. Um, yeah. so And it's a sort of a community space as well. Yeah. Um, so we have a yoga studio in Philadelphia that also does a lot of community workshops and events. And then also here, uh, of course, COVID has changed that, but um, the pandemic, but in, in, in Tucson, we do a lot of, you know, we, our vision is that, you know, how can we create a safe space for healing? You know, we have our spe some of our specific interests and our tradition, but that doesn't mean that we limit it to that. We're very wide in, in just offering a space for people to be exposed to various ways to connect to themselves, to the universe or the divine, however you might want to say it, and connect deeper to their own ability to heal and, uh, and be in better relationship with each other and the world. Mm. 
Yeah. So important, especially right now. Um, so we're in, I'm closest to Oslo. I moved from Oslo to the mountains here in the Scandinavian Alps of Hemsedal. And um, we've been in a lockdown now for our second lockdown or third lockdown, I don't even know, for about four months. And there's really no end in sight here. Um, and so we, our lockdown started March 12th. And so we're coming up on a year and, you know, it has irrevoc irrevocably changed the yoga community and the industries globally and in the U.S., of course, in a lot of ways, and then in Norway, in a lot of ways. How have you guys, I mean, you guys, your mission and your, your passion, your dharma is to create community space. So how has COVID impacted your ability to live out this mission? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's interesting to ask that question to healers and people who are running healing businesses, because it's, it's important for us to share how are we getting through or how are we adapting or, or are we able to? Yeah. And, you know, for us, I think our communities, uh, we never wanted to have like a big space, like, like a big box yoga studio with like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like with like, you know, a hundred people in the room. Yeah. We, our models were always like smaller, uh, very intimate neighborhood and then larger community based. So I think when the pandemic hit and we couldn't have uh, in-person classes, a wonderful resource was that because we cultivated these more intimate spaces, people were attached to being with us in community because it, it was like family, you know, it, it's not like going to a studio where you're one in 30 or 40 people, the classes are smaller because uh, the space is smaller. Yeah. And we also are very present, you know, my wife and I in being with community and, and being around and you're not like absentee owners or something. Yeah. So we're always like on the ground there with people <laughs> talking, hanging out. So I think, and we have teachers also that are in this, the same way in Philadelphia. A lot of our teachers are even local to the neighborhood that yeah. we're in. So there, I think that really it showed itself that the, what that created, uh, it showed itself during the pandemic because people stayed with us, you know, and you could take yoga anywhere for free and nothing, you know, and again, that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful idea for, for people to be able to take yoga all the time for free. But for you know, a business that's trying to continue to cultivate community, um, it was just so wonderful to have that support. And then to do that and facilitate that, oh, sorry, were you gonna say something? And then from on the side of like our brick and mortar, our shop, and you know, being able to, you know, we had to close for a little while. Um, we'd always wanted to um, have a little bit more of an online presence anyway. And we, were, we had started that, but that takes a lot of work you know, a lot of back end work that if you're already wearing so many hats, who really has time to do that unless you're paying outwardly for it. So a little bit of extra, and I'm talking a little bit of extra downtime, um, actually provided the space for us to grow in other aspects of yeah. our business that we wanted to grow in, but we couldn't see the like end in sight, you know? So that was really helpful. Yeah, it was sort of a silver lining of yeah. sorts, you know, and and uh, yeah, and also with our you know online workshops and presentations and and community like sanghas, like I do weekly sanghas, like like a bhakti sangha. Sangha means like community in Sanskrit, like a, a time to to talk about spiritual subject or healing subjects. Yeah, and then I do a men's uh, emotional connection circle every week and. And then those have actually grown, uh, you know, because I think, uh, I mean, I think because we can reach each other online, but I also feel like, you know, people are in a materially devastating situation. There's two ways to go. It's either like you freak the F out <laughs> even more, which, you know, don't worry, I, I did. Um, <laughs> but you, you also can be like, oh, well, what is this showing me? Like, if I can't depend on the things that I thought I could depend on, what am I depending on? Can I depend on anything? So I think that creates for many and has created for many people a sense of inquiry into spirit or them, themselves or their yeah. healing. And I think that for our business, that's across the board. It's not just limited to like getting to know ourselves as a soul. I think it also is like, oh, like, how can I heal through herbalism and Ayurveda 
like, how can I build my immune system now or take care of my body now that I, you know, in, in a time where, you know, people are, are getting so sick. So I think there's a wide gate here with our business that people are like, oh, like I have, I have this window to connect and heal more. Yeah. If it's herbalism, if it's, you know, spirituality, if it's yoga, if it's, you know, relationship, uh, getting better in the relationships, because I do relationship coaching. And if you're in a pandemic and you're in quarantine with someone and you're usually at work and then come home and hang out and you're with them all the time, that changes the relationship a lot. There's a lot <laughs> of stuff that comes up. So there are definitely these, um, you know, these silver linings that I think we shouldn't be guilty up for about, we should say, well, let's take advantage of them. Let's, let's really step into them now and try to see them at least and step into them. I think that's so wise on so many levels. And there's just a lot of layers to what's happened. And you guys spoke to the spiritual side of what's been evolving the last year. And then you spoke to the entrepreneurship of what's been evolving the past year. And um, you know, it's really interesting to watch all of this unfold and the different choices that different yoga teachers make, that different studio owners make. And there have been some businesses that have completely been devastated and shut and they've been left in a lot of debt and, you know, are, are just like, how do I recover from this? And then there are some businesses in the yoga and wellness and health space that actually have thrived during this. And I think there's a couple of reasons for this that you touched on, um, Damodar, is that people are like seeking this out. They're like, okay, this didn't, my life before wasn't working. And now I have this time and space to really evaluate on a deeper level. Like, okay, why am I maybe still unhappy in some areas of my life? Or why am I maybe feeling unfulfilled in other areas? And so now there's the opportunity to ask these questions and go seeking out some answers, which we all know the answers are already inside anyways, but we need that kind of external mirror to help us with the inquiry process, especially in the beginning. But um, then from the entrepreneurship side, it's almost, I kind of, I talk with a lot of my friends and, and, and the people on my team here um, at the Atman Yoga School, where it's almost like the Wild West in terms of what the new landscape is going to look like. And the old rules have been thrown out the window. I mean, all these big yoga chains closed have have filed for bankruptcy and you guys were really intentional on having your business from the beginning be this like small local very strong community base and that helped you survive and thrive and for my business i know i also have made it through without too much of a problem because of of my business model as well where i'm not based in a brick and mortar and I had all intentionally when I started my business in 2015 done it so that created it so that it was portable and I wasn't tied to, okay, how do I keep the lights on? Okay. What happens if I don't have a big membership group? And so for me, it was, it was okay. I mean, it's never easy when there's a global pandemic and I had to cancel a ton of trainings and move some trainings online, which I didn't like to do, but, but that was the only option. And I have seen now how hungry people are for community and and that's my number one core value anyways but now it's especially when our lockdown's been going on for so long it's like people we just we don't even know we can't remember what it feels like to touch another person or to talk without a mask or to talk when you're not like having to yell like how are you <laughs> like you know two meters away um and so I think it's just it's an interesting from the business perspective it's just like how do you keep your heart in your business while also thinking outside the box to be successful financially so that you can continue being a service? And so I love to talk to other entrepreneurs like, okay, because there's no more rules. It's like, all right, well, you kind of make it up and you sort of follow your heart and your gut and see what happens, which is exciting. I think we've been blessed that yeah. we've been doing that since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Everything you see, you know. Yeah, we we, we were like, like flipped upside down. Yeah, yeah. I think we were we were, we started our business that way, where it was like we didn't really, in a sense, we had our skill set and we were building it, but we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money. We, we didn't, didn't have, have a lot. plan. We yeah. did sort of, but we followed our heart. <laughs> And our, our gut, our calling actually was after our first trip to India, you know, 
we were just asking, you know, what's next. And we were, you were really just guided. Yeah. I mean, we were guided specifically. You're supposed to open a space in between this street and this street. Like, that's what I felt. I'm like, we're supposed to find a space. And I didn't even really know. I just remember thinking what we're just supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be of service, but within that, like from that starting point, I, I mean, and I think you can chime in with this. We've we've had to adapt and hu- hustle, but I say hustle in not a like rajasic, you know, mm. a little bit, maybe a little bit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, Let's be serious. Yeah. We got some issues sometimes, <laughs> little, especially but, myself. Yeah, yeah the, yeah. the the openness and willingness to change with you know things that are that are always changing, you know, and. And that's been something that I think that we've been ex- both excited about. You know, we welcome the change and we listen. We try to listen to the community and the community's needs and, you know, and then adapt to whatever is going on, you know? Yeah. I mean, as uh, in bhakti yoga, you know, the, the material world, um, ideally, you know, it, it, it can be like an illusion or it can keep you in illusion, um, and part of that can be the, the nature of it changing so much in our mm-hmm. attachment to wanting it to not change. But in spiritual, I'm not saying this is easy to do. I'm just stating it <laughs> in a spiritual framework, the material world, it, it is only there for us to provide our service through. So who am I to say <laughs> it's gotta be this way. This is how I expected it to be right. The material yeah. world it's going to be changing. I mean, you look at history, it's going to be changing like this. So there's been pandemics for centuries. So in that sense, it's really like, okay, divine universe, where, how am I supposed to serve now? Mm-hmm. Maybe that means I close down and maybe take a step back. Maybe that means I'm pivoting. Maybe that means I'm seeing something that I didn't even see before. Like my wife is saying with the, with our online business and for me with a lot of my coaching work, yeah. well, now I have the time to step into this. And for the, I think for the spiritually minded person, whatever that means, and so that's a wide open statement. It's for us to be attuned, you know, like it's not just, you know, I know this is cliche, this statement, but it's not just happening to us. It's happening for us in some way for our service. Where are we being asked to serve next? You know, and then hopefully that also reflects that we can go deeper into our spiritual connection through that, through that, that service as it continues to shift and change. Yeah, absolutely. And it's dynamic. (laughs) It's stressful, of course, but yeah. It's a healthy challenge. Yeah. Well, I think when we have our eyes wide open and our heart open, meaning just what you guys have said, like, okay, please divine guide me. And, you know, it's so easy. We all know for our ego to step in and be like, I'm in charge. This is how it's going to be. And this is what it's going to look like. And then, you know, as we are trying to cultivate a sense of spiritual connection, we just realize it's a big cosmic joke anyways. (laughs) Like, oh, we're not in control at all. So we have to have some sort of connection or lifeline thread kind of kind of helping us navigate these ebbs and flows when life gets crazy, like it did this last year. And I love that idea of almost being like being slightly nudged in directions when we're open and we're not just like trying to force through and be like, okay, it's gotta be this way. And we're like, huh? Well, then we find like this refinement of how we are of service. And you guys are such a great example of that where you're like, wow, okay. All of a sudden, you know, there's probably some fear about having to shut down your studio, maybe not offer online courses or, or I'm sorry, not offer your um, in-person classes. But then you're like, oh, but look at this. Now we have the time to do what was probably at the back of your heart anyways. And I think that's such an important story to highlight because there is so much fear in our communities right now. And there's so much uncertainty and you know, I get it. If you're not sure how you're going to put food on the table, that's, as we know too, it makes it very hard to be rooted in your daily uh, spiritual practice. When you're like, I'm hungry. I don't know if I'm going to have a roof over my head. I don't know if I can buy my kid diapers. And so there's some really real raw things that people are struggling with right now. And on the other side though, there's also maybe some other opportunities to be like, wow, okay, 
what's, what's my takeaway from this? And if anybody listening is in that place of extreme struggle, then I feel really compassionate towards that journey. Absolutely. And there's some, I would say there's some, you know, there, that, that difficulty, we need to be compassionate. And then I feel like we have to say, if we're in it, cause we've been in it, we were in it in the beginning a lot. What, 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 where is this bringing me next? Like, you know, uh, there, the, the, the idea that there is some faith, mm. the struggle is not just random, that there is some, something, some kernel that's going to bring me deeper into understanding in the next stage. Obviously easier to say that, but when you're really trying to survive, yeah, it's very difficult to see that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I love that you said that. I actually, that was my most recent Instagram post was actually about this idea. Um, You know, without taking our time on this, I've shared quite a bit. I had a really difficult delivery of my son seven months ago and, and my postpartum recovery was very difficult. The isolation of the pandemic services weren't available. I lived in the country, so nobody could get to me anyways. And when you, when you're in the middle of something, we weren't worried about food. We weren't worried about diapers, but the emotional turmoil was very real and very raw. And I do have such a strong connection to my personal faith where, okay, this, this is Dharma. This is karma. There is something here for me besides just the pain of the struggle. And so for me, that does help me in the big picture. But when you're in it and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And it's so, it's so painful and it's so true, like suffering. And so I, yeah, but then that's, isn't that the blessing though of our spiritual life is that even when we feel those, I mean, it's, it's, and we can suffer and have faith. We can be in pain and we can be looking forward to something brighter. And I think that's kind of this promise that we can get when we've cultivated a sustained practice. Yeah. I was going to say like, just to my, my reframe of that is that like pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional because pain will happen to all of us. But but in our consciousness, we can, you know, and it's hard. I mean, it's easy to say these things, of course, (laughs) but it's okay. The suffering, which means the attachment, the ego, all the things that's that we can actually move through, but the pain will, is going to come for all of us if we're in this body, in this world. Um, So uh, your story is so wonderful because I mean, just thinking about being in the middle of nowhere and, and I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's intense. It was an eye opener for sure. But it's, I just, I'm always amazed, you know, by how wonderful and, and it's hard because we have to do the work in our spiritual life in order to feel like we have, I think for me, I'll speak for myself in order to feel like I have that lifeline to something. And I'm not just floating around like, Oh, okay. You pay your taxes and then you die. Yeah. There is a point to what we're here to do. And I truly believe that each and every one of us is here because we are meant to be here. And everybody has a story. Everybody has something awful that's happened in their life. Everybody has something wonderful that's happened in their life. It's just the lens or the perspective through which we view our experience. And I think that's, um, you know, the, the, the yoga sutras talk about this a ton. And it's the quality of the mind that dictates the quality of our experience. And so I'd love to ask you guys, because I know in the bhakti tradition and japa meditation, and I love, I love japa, but you guys I know are very rooted in your practice. Can you speak to like what your experience has been with the fluctuations of the mind and, and when these, the fear comes up or when the pain comes up, how your meditation practices have, have been there? Yeah. I mean, I think for me personally, the, the japa mantra meditation has been like a, a bit, like you mentioned lifeline. It's definitely been a, a lifeline for me. Um, the Japa meditation in, the, in, in my, in our tradition, the bhakti tradition is one that, you know, on one hand, it gives you the benefits of most meditation practices of like being with yourself, calming the mind, having a point of focus, watching the mind. So enabling ourselves to see ourselves and our thoughts as separate from who we are, which are all obviously positive, um, positive things for the, for, for a person to experience. 
But then there's another element, which is that the, the sacred sounds that are chanted are non-different than the divine. So we're in divine communion or conversation or connection when we're chanting. So like we get all those other benefits, but then we're also basically creating a conversation with God. Mm. And, you know, God is, is, is in, in this tradition is also in our hearts, is with us at all times, knows our heart. God is asking for us to reach out and show more of that to him, her, them. So for me, during a pandemic and during times in my life where I've struggled, uh, I have felt held and guided. You know, and and when you know, ask my wife when when I'm left to my own devices. Uh, I can get in my, in my head or get, especially get in my ego, you know, a good, a good example is that when we, we relocated here and, you know, I've been teaching yoga for many years and we opened a yoga studio and the classes were, you know, they were slower than I had imagined. I was new to this area. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, you know, Krishna, what, why, why am I here? God, why am I here? What, what am I doing? <laughs> because my ego was being like my role of what I was used to was, was not, there right at that point so it's like who am i and i was attached Mm. to it Mm -hmm. so i was thinking there's something wrong but my japa my mantra meditation allowed me to see in that suffering right we were talking about the pain at least that i uh, the divine was saying no uh, this is an opportunity for for you to get out of your own ego and connect with me and i'm going to show you what's next so the pain was actually an opportunity to go deeper into my connection and to be guided to what's next because my material mind and my ego wanted to stay in the old me. And God was saying, I'm giving you this brother so that you can move on. You're not moving on yourself. I keep on giving you a little like, you know, signposts and you're not looking at them. So I'm going to pull some of the rug out from underneath of you so that you can not only see where you really should be, but also see me mm-hmm. right? because when I was so caught up in my, 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 what's my role, what's my, you know, I'm not seeing the divine. I'm just seeing my own ego playing out. So for me, especially in reversals, but day to day, the Japa meditation, it, it, it helps to keep that conversation alive with, with the divine And the reason we do it in our practice so much is that oftentimes other people are talking to me, you know what I mean? Like Uh people in my own head, like, you know, so for me to, to remember, okay, I'm going to give this time to, to trying to really communicate with my higher power so that that becomes the center from which I revolve around instead of just seeing myself as the center. And that, goes into everything it helps us to be more compassionate to others right because we get out of our own idea of what the world should be what what what's mine the way things should work for me and it allows us to see hopefully that divine presence in all and 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 witness that and continue the conversation that we did in the japa in our daily life in the world so that's what I love about bhakti is it's very dynamic is that we're creating that deep connection internally, but we're then living it out in our day-to-day life with others. Radha, what about you? What's your relationship with, with uh, your meditation practice? Yeah. My, well, I like to, I wish that mine was a little bit more focused. Like Don Mine's not very focused. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I struggle a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think somebody of being of primarily bata pitta nature. Mm, but me too. Yeah. Yeah, it's like my my practice is very special and it's very sacred to me. Um, I don't get up really early in the morning and chant japa like my husband does. You know, my mind is a little bit different. It looks different, and I think that that's okay. Um, and it works for me. You know, when when I need it the most, and how I chant my japa is I go through my day and I start. I have a few practices in the morning. I greet the sun, and you know, and and kind of greet the world with it. And then I go to work. And in times where I forget, or I get a little outside of myself, or 
I feel like, you know, I've, okay, I'm spending this time giving and giving, you know, for me, the job of practice is like giving back and it's filling my own cup Mm -hmm. and I do it throughout the day. And often I don't, traditionally you were, you would speak Japa out loud, you know, you would say it and you would kind of hear it, but of somebody of a higher Vata nature, sometimes that is um, a little exhausting for me. Mm -hmm. So I love to hear it in my mind and I actually sing my Japa. So throughout the day I sing Japa and I sometimes do it out loud and sometimes I do it in person, you know, inside my own head. And it's kind of like how I need it, Mm -hmm. you know? Like little, little, I'm dosing myself. <laughs> I love it. Microdosing. Microdosing. Yeah, microdosing on the chant and mantra. Are you, and are you guys, um, for your Japa practice, are you primarily doing the Maha mantra? Or are you, yeah. Using, okay. Yeah, yes. that's, the, that's the mantra from our lineage, just the Maha mantra. And we, yeah. do it, we do it on like, um, you know, these Tulsi beads. So this is, this is a Tulsi necklace. We do it on these Tulsi malas. You know, you'll see obviously malas in most chanting traditions. And Tulsi is a, a goddess um, in the, the bhakti tradition that we so we worship Tulsi. And uh, yeah, that's how we chant on the beads. And yeah. Uh, yeah. That's actually um, you know, I I'm a bhakti enthusiast is how I describe my connection to that lineage. But, um, you know, and I, I do have different chants and, and chanting is one of my most sustained practices um, along with uh, inquiry. But one of the things I love, you know, with my son and my baby is, is because I love chanting so much and that's what's gotten me through actually my biggest struggles in life when I went through cancer treatment, Um, when I've been struggling with postpartum and chanting with my son and what I sing every night, I have a dial down and I do a little Abhyanga massage for him. And, and I, I chant the Maha Mantra. Oh, I sing it. So that's why I thought of it when you said Radha, that you sing yours. Um, I sing the Maha Mantra to him and. um, The last soul (laughs) that you are bringing into this world. I just, you know, it's, it's again, we're modern yogis. I'm doing the best I can to. To, to have him learn from me and learn from example, but then also, you know, I'm dropping an F-bomb or I'm <laughs> just like doing whatever. And, you know, I, anyways, it's, that's why I'm so enjoying having, being a mother is because it, for me, is such an amazing opportunity to put even more of my spiritual practice into reality, because now it's like, I'm even more motivated. And it's funny, I, I, I've shared this on my podcast before, but I doubt you guys have heard this story, but I didn't know what Kirtan was for the whole first year that I was, I had, I had bought a CD at my local yoga studio and I was playing it on my car when I was commuting to my corporate job. And I would just like find myself like singing along with the Maha Mantra. And uh, I was, it was with Govindas, um, like his first, the first CD that he put out and so for me, and then I found out a year later, I'm like, oh, this is kirtan. This is a whole practice. And this is, I knew what chanting and mantra was, but I didn't know that the actual like singing and music was something special. And so for me, I have such a strong connection to how him and Radha were singing uh, the Maha Mantra on their first album. And so that's like how, where my mind always goes is in that one particular, particular melody. And so that's the one that I sing to my son because it's just, it's in my heart. And it's, even though I'm not doing Japa every day, I'm still singing at least a little bit to him. And, and I'm of course getting the vibration from that. Cause there's a lot of love in that moment that I share with him. And it's like, we can be spiritual and be in the modern world, yeah. um, which I love. And I really want to touch on you with you guys, how you are prioritizing your relationship to each other, your marriage, and using your spiritual practices to help you stay rooted in that commitment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you should probably start with this conversation. You sure? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I. I. I think we're 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 very blessed, and I also feel like. When people say like, um, you know, never like go into business with your partner <laughs> or <laughs> I, I think that's kind of like, um, 
I think that's fucked up. I think actually, I think being with your partner and, and living your dharma or your service and, and if it's in your cards or your, you know, your destiny to also live a spiritual path together is like beautiful. And I, and I, it's not for everybody. I'm not trying to say everybody's has to do, but I think it's, it's been such a learning experience for us. And I think the container of our relationship has brought us deeper into our service and our spiritual life because to actually get to know someone and reckon with another being who's got a whole different way of looking at the world and a whole different background and, and to allow that to be, you know, a, a mirror for yourself to see yourself more clearly yeah. in context of spirituality and of, you know, navigating the material world and servicing uh, of being of service to others, I think is, is beautiful. And, uh, and I love that. I see more and more couples doing that. And speaking of like in healing professions, we see more and more couples that are on that path together. So what I love is that I think they all like the, the things that you had mentioned, like our relationship and, and our careers and, and our spiritual life, they all really, um, they all are connected and they all inform. And this is what I think is, is what's asked of us yeah. if we're spiritual practitioners is that and you just said this a moment ago that like, you know, it's part of our lives, like mm -hmm. and, and dynamic. And that's what I feel that we have moved through is that all the things that we do together are, are really connected. It's not like we're compartmentalizing. Right. And what we, so when we're working out our spiritual life and working out our service life and working out our relationship, we're learning about, every single one at the same time. Yeah, and our spiritual life kind of, it, you know, it lay, lays the foundation and it gives us something to always come back to. You know, there's always a, cen a center yeah, yeah. that, you know, when we, whether it's work that gets a little out of control or, you know, or, or we're, we're overworked so we're at each other because we're, you know, we're tired. We can always, we have our spiritual life to always ground us. And if we didn't have that, I don't know where we would be. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. And you even, know? you know, even though we do it in differently in a sense, like we have our own ways, like Radha had talked about Japa, and, yeah. but it's, it is a foundation. And I think that for couples, like, even if they're not both like in a spiritual tradition or spiritual life or, or whatever, or have a faith, I feel like creating and really seeing what that common ground is and, and uh, having a commitment to it is really powerful for relationships to stay healthy yeah. and coming back to it and coming back to it and and you know seeing where it's at and um and i also feel like for us and this is a big part of my path is that even with the spiritual uh foundation which is really the the wellspring with which our relationship and our service comes from we had of and we're i feel like we we get along really great We've had times where we're like stuck. We get stuck. And I feel like when we got stuck, and I felt like, you know what? My spirit, the spiritual, just our spiritual practices, just our healing practices, they're not enough. There's so, we need more tools. And uh, and that kind of got me into getting into a lot of coaching because we started to get tools. And I said, whoa, like it doesn't matter, you know, how evolved you are in your spiritual path. If you don't have some relationship tools with another being, like, you, you know, you, you just going off and meditating is not going to solve everything, no. you know? So mm -hmm. ju just praying is not going to solve it. So when we developed those skills and this is inspired me to start teaching them, I was like, whoa, not only does this like make our relationship more exciting and dynamic, but it aligns us mm -hmm. with our spiritual life even more because it allows us to treat each other well, allows us to treat, really treat each other with, with love and compassion, even in conflict, even in the difficult moments. Um, so I just wanted to bring up that part from my perspective has been really important that just spiritual relationship in relationship, that is so powerful, but I think couples need more. Yeah. 
You know, I think having both, when you have a practice of being able to go inside in your own way, self-regulate yourself, and then also connect to something higher yeah. individually and together. And then on top of that, have tools within, within which to deal with conflict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, like that's, I'm just getting excited talking about I it. Know. You can tell. It's like, <laughs> and then of course, you know, we can never forget that, you know, our connection to, to the natural world and to nature and to living in harmony and all of the yeah. things that practices like Ayurveda, you know, and, and spirituality provide us are, is so powerful. It's just putting more tools in your little tool belt, you know, and we need those. And I think our business is ironic is that, and I think it's not ironic, it's, it's beautiful, but beautiful, beautifully ironic is that our business reflects that. Like what I just said and what Radha just said is what we offer others. You yeah. know, it's like we've seen, yeah, to, to stay in a spiritual life, we need these other tools. To even come to a spiritual life, it's the other way. You need some of these tools, <laughs> you know, to, to even be able to, you know, be good to each other. We need some of these tools to be good to ourselves, to balance our, ourselves. We yeah. need certain tools, you know, um, and all those, uh, they all coincide. It's so exciting. So I think that's, that's a beautiful thing about the, the world we're in. Jess is like, you know, we all like are healing ourselves to be of service and heal others. And it's like that exchange and that's ever evolving. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. and that's exciting. Is that wow? Like I'm I'm learning more about myself, and I can then from there offer that. So, I think if we're doing that, if we're teachers, if we're in service, we always have to be evolving. Uh, you know, always, we are responsible to always seeing. Okay, where am I being led next? Where do I have to see the darknesses in my own heart? The, the blind spots in my own consciousness, the blind spots in my own relationship. You know, I was doing a spiritual path. We both were. And there was parts of our relationship where I was not, I was, I would like think the way I'm acting right now is not in line mm. with my spiritual path. Like mm. that's a big, that's a red flag. And my, you know, I needed other tools to reconcile that, you know, you can never forget the importance of having our teachers too. And people that we are yeah. guides, you know, that we can, yeah. you know, teachers need teachers to be able to have that support, you know, and that lifeline and, 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 and to call, not call us out, but call us forward yeah. to be like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you need to do more. Like yeah. that's a blind spot. <laughs> maybe you should look at that, you know? And I think in all ways, our spiritual guides yeah. and our guru, our spiritual teachers, and then, others who are guides um, in our life. Yeah, beautifully said. And that is such an important message. And I'm, yeah, it's so like cool to see you talking about this because you're obviously so passionate about it, which means it's in such strong alignment with the work that you're here to do. But the message that even when we already have a lot of tools, we've, we've done trainings, we've been teachers, healers, herbalists, Ayurvedic practitioners, whatever, life gets so messy and we're constantly being thrown curveballs in. We cannot anticipate what's going to come next. And sometimes we reach a point in our life where we're like, you know what? I don't have the correct tools to handle this job. And I think it's such a wonderful way to stay in humility too, to be like, wow, I don't know what to do here. And that's one of the things that I, I try for me and my practice and my relationship with myself is like, where can I keep that humble attitude of like, wow, I don't know. I don't have the answers. I don't have the tools and I need help. And then being able to be like, okay, well, how do I find help? How do I find somebody who is going to be able to guide me in that correct direction using the support of all the other tools that I have? And this has happened to me a few times in the last few years where I'm like, wow, I, I've lost count of how many trainings I've done. I don't know what all the certifications are that I hold. And frankly, it doesn't matter. But it's, it's still sometimes shocking where I'm like, wow, I need more. And then you learn more and you're like, and my life got better. <laughs> well, then- hopefully we, you know, if, if we're growing, hopefully we need more. We always need more tools, right? Like if we ever stop needing or feeling the need to, you know, learn, we're, we're forever students of life. Yeah. So, it, you know, we can't ever lose that. 
Yeah, and also the, that mood that you uh, outlined is also, that's the mood of our, you know, spiritual aspiration, which you just framed out, like, is to be humble and be like, you know, I, I don't always know. And once we think we know, something's wrong. And when <laughs> yeah. we all of a sudden are, we're the center. But when we can yeah. always be like, you know, I don't know. And I, I will humble myself to some wisdom and some guidance. That's where the, they call in bhakti, they call it like a creeper, which means it sounds kind of funny, but like a small, like a plant starting to grow. That's where the, the, the growth of the plant of, of bhakti lies in what you just kind of outlined of being like, I don't know, like I, I need a teacher. I, I'm welcome to have a guide. I'm welcome to be humbled. I'm welcome to be wrong. And, and then from there we heal and then we can offer others so much from that space of humility, you know? It's beautiful. Can you guys speak to, you know, I'm I'm thinking, or I was listening to you, Damodar, and when you were explaining these tools that you got about relationships and coaching, and um, I was thinking a lot about emotional intelligence and how maybe some of the, the tools that you learned were specifically related to emotional intelligence. And through that, then we're able to have a more open dialogue about like even our deepest insecurities and we're able to communicate in a way that's more authentic and, and vulnerable, but in a, in a way that's important. And can you speak to maybe, maybe give an example of one of these tools that you learned or that you're now teaching? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of the tools, or like, I guess we could say it's a kind of combination, but I'll, I'll talk about it generally, is, is kind of what you were just saying is like taking the time to, um, and meditation can help with this as well, um, or be like a corollary, but taking the time to actually be with our emotions. Um, so to create emotional intelligence, we have to be with our emotions. So we don't want to be the emotion. Like I'm, I'm an angry person or I'm a, what, you know, anxious person, but we want to be with them in such a way that we can start to see them clearly move through them and find what, what they're trying to show us. Because a lot of times in our communication, we are reactive and the emotions we feel might be pointing to deeper needs or deeper inequities or deeper traumas right within ourselves so we have the ability and so one meditation i teach is to be able to be with our emotion and actually create a number for it like is it am i sent am i in the emotion but am i still centered or is it starting to hijack my ability to be with others to act compassionately and productively and then to name the emotion And for many people, we don't suss out what is the actual emotion we're experiencing. We might make a blanket statement of what it is, but we don't really know. And there's ways to outline this. There's like wheels of feelings or wheels. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I love that wheel. Yeah. You can become intelligent. You can be like, well, what am I really feeling? Because in relationship, especially, sorry, there's some noise in the background (laughs) In a relationship, especially in conflict we usually default to like a limbic system, like the lizard brain and um, part of our, our brain where it's like fear. It's like deep and really overpowering. So for emotional intelligence, we want to actually start to get into the subtlety. Where is this really coming from? What is the emotion? And then from there, we see what is the sensation it's creating? So am I feeling chaos? Am I feeling shortness of breath? Am I feeling contractive in my body? So this is the bodily sense. Mm -hmm. Am I feeling expansive in the body? Am I feeling hot? Am I feeling cold? So now we're starting to say the number, what the emotion is explicitly, what am I feeling in my body? And then finally, what are the thoughts it's creating? So if you're in, if you are a meditator, this is, you'll become, this will be a little bit easier for you, of course, but what are the thoughts this emotion is creating other stories, right, that are happening from child, usually from past relationships or childhood. What are those stories? Because when you are in a conflict, all those things are happening like this. Like, I mean, in a, in a, in a second. 
So for us to become emotionally intelligent, we want to start to spend time to be with those emotions and suss all the things out I just talked about. So that instead of just reacting, we could say, okay, I'm feeling this way again. That means that emotion's coming. I know from past experience that it hijacks me. And I also know it plays out a story of thoughts. And the, we have to decide, is that story the story I want to perpetuate? I just had this situation with um, a loved one where I realized his, re his statements for most of my life created this reaction. And I just would react for years. But because I've been practicing and practicing, I actually took a step back and was like, wait, this is what it creates in me. This is the story it's created in me. And now I have the agency to start to rewrite that story. Okay. So that's, that's one example. And the final part of that is also finding a resource, which means do, is there something in my life, in my world that I can connect to at that moment to do that whole process? Right. Like you just said earlier in the show, and I know it sounds trite, but it's very powerful. Maybe I need to just close my eyes and take some breaths. Because the eyes, as you know, if you're in Ayurveda, they're the space of judgment. They're the space of like comparison. They're the space of reactivity. So if we can close the eyes and go inward, we can start to say, okay, let me separate from my reaction just for a moment. Go through the meditation I just outlined and then have more resource. And then finally, and then I'll be, I'm done talking. It's like practice. I know I'm a talker. It's the Italian, it's the Italian American. It's like a, it's like practice. And what I give, I'm not even into sports, but it's like if you were a quarterback, okay. And you're a quarterback and you have to throw the ball expert to scan the field and throw the ball to a receiver, but there's a 300 pound person running at you. Now, if you just did that out of nowhere, like if I just went into the field, I'd like run away or I'd scream or I'd, ah, but if the, the quarterback practices over and over in an intense situation, what do I do? What can I see? It's the same thing in conflict and in, in times when emotions are high, we beforehand take the time to practice, to refine how we respond so that when we're in it, we have more resource so that the, you know, it's almost like the emotional intelligence is akin to like working out that physical mental body. Yeah. So I think it's real important. It's a great resource for people. And, and you'll notice that even if you're in a spiritual tradition and you're doing your spiritual practices, we get triggered. Oh. You know what I mean? I mean, come on, like you could go off and be in your corner and get centered. But like when someone else is there and you have to figure out uh, how, how, what are the emotions telling me about myself? How can I be there for the other person? I mean, it's so much, you know, and, and as you were talking about that, it really made me think too about like how we unravel our samskaras and those karmic ruts that we get into. And when we have, you were talking about getting triggered and it's like, okay, well, I have the old story, the old narrative that this is how it is when this happens or when I talk to that person or that family member or that my partner. And so I love that so much. I think that's such an amazing practice to start to just even be aware of where we have habitualized thoughts, patterns, and behaviors and be like, whoa, time out. <laughs> What's really going on here? They're in the body. Yeah. So a lot of science of, of emotions and trauma, they get held in the body. And sometimes the body reacts first. You get like a, a feeling. So then also being attuned, I'm feeling that again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's. Yeah. And Ayurveda. And, and yeah. Ayurveda, yeah. It all comes full circle, which is just like, <laughs> not, a, not a coincidence. Yeah, and use the word samskara, exactly. It's like, this is where these tools will help our spiritual progress because they'll start to help us see like, what are some of these imprints in my consciousness that are not, that are actually roadblocks to also my deeper connection to, to source, you know, uh, to the highest relationship that waters all my other relationships are the roots to all my other relationships. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, we have just a few more minutes and I just want to ask you guys, um, maybe you can both share so that we can, we can hear a little bit from both perspectives, the feminine and the masculine. Um, what, what advice would you have? I mean, I can imagine that there's a lot of people who would look at your relationship together 
and be like, wow, that's amazing. I wish I had that. Or how do I get that? And obviously you guys work very hard at the quality of your, your relationship together, both individually and together as a couple. But what would you say, or what kind of advice would you maybe have to somebody who is on the spiritual path or starting on a spiritual path and they really want to have a more connected relationship to their romantic partner, but the romantic partner is not on that same spiritual path. Mm. What, I mean, and I'm sure maybe you come across this Damodar and some of the men that you coach, or I don't know if, if maybe the, the people you come into contact with, both people are involved on the spiritual path, but I get that question sometimes in my teacher trainings, like, oh, I'm really into this this life, but my partner's not. It's a big question. I have a short answer for that. Um, I feel that no matter whether or not you're on the same spiritual path, um, as long as your core values are similar, not even the same, but similar, you're in good shape. And that's, those are the things that you need to, that we need to, as in that we we're always constantly evaluating, Mm. you know, we even do little exercises, you know, from time to time to see where we're at, Mm. you know, where are we at now? Like in Ayurveda, everything's always shifting and changing. We're always shifting and changing. So we're checking in with each other, seeing where we're at, seeing how we feel, are our core values still, you know, in line and where can we make some adjustments, you know? spending time together, having, making each other feel important, Mm. you know, is, is really powerful. Um, Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's like, if you, if I think to your point to riff on that, like if you're, if you, if there is a cultivation, maybe through what Radha had said, like really cultivating in your relationship that you are each other's, anchor or home base okay and and that you you are always there to support your partner and that doesn't mean you agree with or are into everything they're into but you are there to support really understand their world and support it you know and again it doesn't mean that it's yours it doesn't mean that is powerful because sometimes with spirit, when there's a partnership and one person's into spirituality and the other isn't, sometimes there's maybe like feelings of like almost being like cheated on, like mm. the spirit, like, <laughs> like the spiritual path is like a mistress or manstress or whatever masculine. But yeah, you know what I mean. And like yeah, but it, it's it, ideally it doesn't have to be that way. And this is where you know I just actually posted this. We're talking about Instagram posts. A sign of maturity in our personal self, our emotional life, and our spirituality is to have a bandwidth to actually accept conflicting views, yeah. even in relationship, because you're, it's, that person's not you. Even if you're on a spiritual path together, you might do it very differently, and it might frustrate you. This happens with us. We might be like, <laughs> well, we should do it this way. Like, Come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but if we can really say, oh, my, my, the end goal is that I am here to be a safe bait, a home base, an anchor for the other person and know, really know their world and yeah. honor it. If you're both doing that, it's, it's, it's gold, you know, because when you're, if you're both doing that, the, the spiritual practice doesn't become a threat, Right. And if you're both doing that, the fact that your partner doesn't do it isn't a threat because you're really understanding where they're at. And you can say, okay, I love you. And I appreciate you for you. Yeah. It's when it becomes a threat I've noticed, especially with the spiritual path. And if you're spending so much time worried about how your partner's going about their day-to-day or their spiritual life, you know, and that it doesn't align to yours and, you know, you're, that's a very selfish way yeah. to think about something like, mm-hmm. I think that my way is the best way. No, it's not always, you know, and I'm not spending enough time witnessing what they're actually doing, how they're actually spiritualizing, you know, what they're, what is important to them, you know, throughout their day. Um, That is a spiritual practice in itself. So nobody can say that they don't have a spiritual life if they're, if they're loving and they're witnessing their partner, you know, that is a spiritual practice. That's so beautiful. You would say Harry Bolton. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Harry Bolton. 
Beautiful. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much. I don't want to say goodbye, but I feel like no, we, we have to. I wish I didn't. I wish we could just keep on talking all day. I know. I know. <laughs> we'll well, come visit you. We'll come yeah. to the woods in the snow. Yes. Oh, Find you on the mountain. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, and and maybe if you guys are on Clubhouse or get on Clubhouse, we could have some spiritual conversations on there. That yeah, would be really keep fun. Connected, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, because yeah, there's just so much to talk about. And it's it's so fun to connect with you guys. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time and um sharing your experience and your wisdom. It's awesome. Much love. We're so thankful for the opportunity and love to just talk with you. Yes. Hear, hear your wonderful stories and just jive. Thank you so much. Yeah, have a great rest of your day and we'll just be in touch. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. Okay, okay. Bye. bye. Bye.